Hello and welcome to a Believing Hard Podcast, a podcast about video games and the like. I'm your host, Mario Eighth. Find me across the internet all at Mario Eighth. I'm on Twitter, Tumblr, ggapp.io, co-host, and you can find the audio version of this podcast on podcast services around the globe or go to anchor.fm slash Mario Eighth. So how have you been doing today? I'm doing okay. I've been playing a lot of video games recently, but not modern video games. And I've actually also been uh, going on this app, kind of like Wordle, except with the video game screenshots. Been having a pretty good time with that, too. But there was quite a bit of news this week, more than I thought I would be doing. And so let's get into the news. First, I'd like to mention a few games that are coming out recently that I'm interested in and you might be interested in, too. First up is Shovel Knight Dig is out. Came out, I think, last Thursday, and it's on Switch, among other things. Uh, PC, at least. I'm not sure if it's on Xbox or PlayStation just yet. Either way, I'm a really big fan of the first Shovel Knight game. I never played any of the DLC, so I'll probably try to get to those first, but I've heard pretty good things about this prequel, Shovel Knight Dig, and it looks great. I love the sprite work in it. And the music, of course, is going to be fantastic. It's Shovel Knight, so that is out now. Also, coming to PlayStation and Switch, Tunic. Tunic is a game I was really excited about back when it came out in February, I think. But it came out on PC and Xbox. And while I have a PC, I'd rather play it on PlayStation or Switch. And given the Switch version doesn't look too good, PlayStation just came out today as I'm recording, yesterday as this is posting, so play Tunic. I'm really excited to jump into it. And the original Life is Strange plus the DLC is on Switch now, too. I wanted to pick this up on PS5. I love, love the first game. I played it a few years ago now. Um, Life is Strange quickly has become one of my favorite series out there. I love 1, I also love 2, maybe even more, and I thought 3 was really strong, and... Now, you can play the first one and the DLC, which I actually never got to the DLC, but you can play them both on the Switch, if you want. I'll probably... I think I'd rather play the Steam version of the original I already have on Steam again, but... Yeah, it's there now. You hear that Netflix has games? So Netflix has this game portion of their app, or this game version of their app? or you're a play Nef on the Netflix phone app. So I think you just play them through the app. Netflix has an app that most people watch movies and television on if they have it on their phone. But there's also a very hidden and not much talked about games section, and they've got some pretty good bangers coming out. They've uh, they've got Before Your Eyes, which I heard amazing things about from last year. They've got Point P, which I don't know exactly what it is. They also have the only mobile version of Before the Storm. That's not it. They also have the only app version of Into the Breach, the tactics game from 2018. That is just amazing from what I hear. And all of them free to play on the Netflix app, and soon, another one of my personal favorite games, Spiritfarer, is also going to be on it. So if you have Netflix, and I'm talking to myself at this point too, if you have Netflix, you should download this app. There's some surprisingly great games on that thing. Will I actually go through and do it? I should. I love a lot of these games, and they're free for me, so you should do it too. Maybe I will. 
and the better Spider-Man game will be on PC soon. So the two Insomniac Spider-Man games, I played them both and had a really good time with them, but I really fell in love with Miles Morales. I think it's the better Spider-Man game, it's definitely the better Spider-Man protagonist, and despite some pacing issues in terms of the story, I think the game itself was just markedly better, and it's coming to PC pretty soon. And so that's a few of the games that are coming out soon, or going to already be out by the time you're listening to this, so give them all a look out for. Anyway, on to the more news proper. First up, the artist currently known as Donkey wants to throw money at games. We should let him. So Donkey is a reviewer of video games, or video game Donkey as his username is. And he plays a lot of games. I've only watched a few of his videos, but I've heard of him a lot. He's very highly respected in the video game review, the YouTube video game review scene. And a lot of people I used to know, like in person, he would be the pe he would be the person people are like, oh, you should go watch him. And again, I can't say too much about the guy himself, I can't say much about his video, his videos or his taste in video games, but he recently came out and said that he is going to be making a video game published label called Big Mode. And the internet had one of two opinions. This is the worst thing ever or this is the greatest thing ever. I think nuance should probably be injected in most conversations, and from what I saw, I saw a lot of differing opinions when I was scrolling through my Twitter feed, but I think I walked away with, is Video Game Donkey, or his real name is Jason Gastrow, so, is Gastrow and his wife Leia, are they the right ones to do this? I don't know. Is anyone the right one to do this? He clearly has a strong opinion in video games that he shares with large swaths of his audience. People come to him to recommend video games, and so he does have some sort of taste making in terms of video game sales. Does that mean he's going to be able to pick them way early on in development? Probably not now, but if he practices, I'm sure he'll get there. And at the very least, he has enough money or at least he's claiming to have enough money to start a publishing studio. And he has promised to make this publishing studio uh, good for the developer. And so if he wants to publish video games with good deals for the developers, then hell yeah, go for it. Let this guy throw money at video games. I like video games, I love indie games, and if he wants to bring up the best video games out there, then sure, let him. See, let, let him fail if he fails, let him succeed and get some good video games out there. He cited games like Enter the Gungeon, or two of my personal favorite games from recent years, Celeste and Hades. Enter the Gungeon isn't, I, I just haven't played Enter the Gungeon yet, that's why it's not one of my personal favorites. I own it and I've heard great things, but Celeste and Hades, top tier indie right there. Obviously, it's going to be hard to determine what the next Celeste or the next Enter the Gungeon is going to be. Given Celeste was six people who ran a Kickstarter, I'm not sure Enter the Gungeon. Hades a little bit easier because they had a history, but if you're trying to find the next Bastion, which eventually led to Hades, it's hard to do any of that. But also, if he has an eye, obviously has an eye that people respect, and so let him throw money. 
In not great corporate news, Amazon-owned Amazon Web Service is charging Amazon-owned Twitch.tv too much money to run their services. So, Amazon-owned Twitch.tv needs to take more money from their streamers. But everyone's a big family. Now, I don't use Twitch. Basically ever. The only time I use it is when a Waypoint or a Kinda Funny or a Giant Bomb or a Nextlander or whomever are streaming a press conference and I'll tune in and watch it. And that's if they're not also streaming on YouTube. And, and I'm, I'm just, I just never got into actually watching streamers, but I have heard a lot about streamers and their lives kinda suck. And able to make it on this Amazon, the biggest company in the world, this Amazon-owned platform, you have to devote so, so, so much of your life to just streaming. And then you have to get lucky and noticed, or maybe be good enough at a game, or maybe be attractive enough, or maybe be funny enough that you get caught, and you get lucky enough that you start getting viewers, and then if you stream for 15 hours a day, seven days a week, and get incredibly lucky, then you only get 50% of the ad revenue. Now they have said in the past that if you are one of the biggest and the best, you some have been given the offer to get a 70-30 split, where the Twitch streamer, the creator, gets 70% of the cash and Amazon, and I'm just going to keep calling Twitch.tv Amazon, and Amazon gets the 30% afterwards which I want to say is pretty close to how YouTube does it. But the, just the other day, they came out and said, actually, everyone, including the biggest streamers, are going to be stuck at an even 50-50. Those who make more than... Those who are already in the 70-30 split, if they are going to keep that for the first $100,000, then everything after that is going to a 50-50 split. And they cited the fact that Amazon Web Services, again, another, a sister company to Twitch.tv, both owned by the biggest company in the world, is charging them too much to host their Twitch streams. So they have to take the higher split. After all, everyone's a big family. It's absurd. It just This is just yet another blatant example of corporate greed not caring about anyone else. And, and of course, if any company is going to be this uh, glaringly, ev blatantly evil, it's going to be Amazon, the company that would rather buy ads to talk about how great a place to work it is than actually talk to union reps or pay their employees living wages or giving them air conditioning or letting them have bathroom breaks. <sighs> Amazon sucks. Twitch.tv really made a bad move, but also a few days later, this news, uh, at least in the Kotaku, Ardu, uh, Kotaku article I've linked in the show notes, came out Thursday, which was the 22nd. Five days later, when I'm recording this on the 27th of September, it feels like this has just been forgotten about. I, every streamer I am in the circle of that I see online is already talking about September, and they've given a discount on subs for September, and 
They've already forgotten the fact that, oh, hey, they're screwing everyone over because the 50-50 split is going to be permanent. And it, it's just going to get forgotten. Amazon being cruel and evil via Twitch is going to get forgotten, and they're just going to win. Because, and Jeff Bezos and whoever's at the top of Amazon now is just going to get more money off of it. Because that's all Amazon leadership cares about, is milking all of their employees dry. On to... brighter news? E3 is not dead. Again. So E3 has been in a bit of a turmoil. They canceled E3 this year wholesale. Last year, 2021, they had an online presentation. And then the year before, they had to cancel due to the pandemic. But even before, in 2019, what was the last in-person E3 thus far, people who went said it was a mess, that the public stuff just kind of ruined it, the show floor was pretty much empty, and then all the cool stuff they had to... All the cool stuff that the people who got in before was cleared away to just have the most playable of games playable and then lounge spaces every once in a while and it seemed like a mess. And they're coming back with another in person coming next year this June. And they're going to try it again and we'll see how it is. They've said it's going to be half what the people who like the game journalists who used to go, half of it's going to be what they remember and the other half is going to be more of a spectacle. I guess they're probably trying to aim it to be more of a PAX-like thing. Um, and we'll see how that goes. It's not dead. A lot of people were claiming it was dead this year when they had to wholesale cancel it, but they're gonna try again. Now, people who have been games journalists probably tell you that they appreciate E3 for what it is and they think it should be a real thing. I'm gonna tell you, I kind of don't care about E3 at all. My only experience with E3 has been having a few days out of these during the summer where I get to sit down and watch press conferences and watch Giant Bomb talk over them. But I still had that these past two years. It wasn't a condensed few days. It spread over a couple of weeks. But I still had that experience. I got video game news in the summer with Jeff Keighley's thing and like Nintendo or Sony just putting their own things around the same time. So I'm not at a dearth of what I got out of E3, but other people probably want to go to the convention, so hopefully it turns out good. I will say, I think I prefer for E3 to be spread across. It's much easier to take an hour or two out of a day here and there than to take three whole days off just to watch video game presentations, and that can get pretty exhausting. So personally, I'm not... I don't know if I want E3 to be back. I want it to be how it kind of was this past year, the Summer Games Mess Fest. Summer Game Fest? Summer Game Fest deal, where it's one here this week, then four days later, then five days later, that sort of thing. And so, but E3's back. We'll see how much power they're able to have over when people do their presentations, because Nintendo... Nintendo was kind of Nintendo and Microsoft were the only ones that were still behind E3. Sony pulled out, EA pulled out. But now that Activision might be back under the Microsoft uh, umbrella, I guess they'd be back in. I think they had pulled out. I can't remember exactly. 
Either way, E3 is back! Alright, on to kind of video game news, but not really. I really liked Nier Automata, and sometimes I watch anime, and I will probably watch the Nier Automata anime. So it was announced, I think back in February, it was a bit ago, but they just came out and said, Yoko Taro, creator and writer of Nier and Nier Replicant and Nier Automata, came out and said that Nier Automata version 1.1a, the spin-off anime, is not going to be an exact retelling of Nier Automata. And to me, that is kind of the selling point. I really like video games, and I like video games as a medium of storytelling, and sometimes in video games you can only tell stories via this media, and telling it, trying to tell it through like a movie or a TV show or an anime, it doesn't work as well. And so hearing that Yoko Taro has his hands on with the team developing the anime, which is a studio, Hearing that Yoko Taro has his hands-on with the anime studio developing the anime and is going to make the story a little bit different to fit the medium better is only good news to me. And so I'm excited. I like Nier Automata. I'm one, I can't wait to see what changes. If they, if they said there wasn't going to be many changes, that this is just going to be a, whole, a clean retelling of Nier Automata, I probably wouldn't watch it. Because I've already seen that story, I've already played the game in the media medium it was meant to be told in. But this is now going to be a different story it designed for this medium, and that's exciting. Alright, one last news story. It's about movies, and I swear I won't talk about this too often, but I don't know. Ryan Reynolds doing his Deadpool shtick just works for me. Also, Hugh Jackman is back for one last time as Wolverine. And so he, so Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds tweeted this out like 30 minutes before I started this recording, how he had a nice, well-edited, well-put-together presentation of how he wanted to make Deadpool 3, the first Deadpool under the MCU banner, ugh, um, how he wanted to make it special, and it was, it had a funny gag with it, and then he said, Hugh Jackman is back for one last time. And Hugh Jackman is, I really appreciate Hugh Jackman in the role as Wolverine. Logan is by far one of the best superhero movies out there. And I don't know, Deadpool just works for me. I really liked both of those first two movies and this one I'm going to see. I like it. I think it's funny. I won't talk about MCU news often, but, and I don't even like Ryan Reynolds in everything he does. I saw a bit of New Guy and that wasn't great. He's not my favorite part of Guardians of the Galaxy. And whatever else he's been in, he's also been in. Um, but that Deadpool works for me, and I'll. It was a good trailer. I don't know, because it wasn't showing anything, but it was still cleverly written. It just works for me sometimes. I don't know. And that is it for the news. Now on to what I've been doing. Splatoon three is out, so of course I completed Splatoon two. So I, I, I'm going to get to the Splatoon 3 single player eventually, but first I wanted to see the story of Splatoon 2 and the Octo expansion, and I had played the first world of Splatoon 2, and so I decided over the past week or so, I just went through and played Splatoon 2, and I had a pretty solid time. There are some very well designed levels in Splatoon 2. And then I beat the game, and the final boss had really great music. I tell you what, 
One thing that always does it for me is well-timed musical cues. Like, you know, regardless of the quality of the show, a good musical cue always affects me. Like, in Splatoon 2, the final boss. And I'm not gonna spoil it, I guess, but there's this... Of it, the last phase of the boss has a really good musical cue, and it's like, yes, this works so much for me! Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the television show, also did it right at the very end. They played the musical cue from one of the characters, and was like, ah! right to the heart and then they also played one at the very very end with with ooh it's it's gonna be bad sort of stuff musical cues really work for me it's it's a cheap it's a cheap hit for me specifically and Splatoon 2 did it really well but then I got to the point where my brain is a little bit broken see in Splatoon 2 you can beat all the levels each of the levels have two collectibles one of them gives you a little bit of lore, and the other one does... something. I don't remember what it does at all. But I got all of them, and then I beat the game with all of them, and I was like, okay, cool. But... Splatoon 2 also tracks which weapons you've beaten which levels with. There are nine weapons, and if you play through the level once, you have beaten it with one, le one weapon. And if you beat them with all nine of the weapons, so eight additional times, you get a little ticket to buy something in the weapon store with. And so then I went through and played every single level eight more times. And that was infuriating. In a soon-to-be-released Super Mario in Review, youtube.com slash Mario 8th every other Saturday. In a soon-to-be-released Mario in Review, I, I really became upset when these Mario games make you play the game multiple times for completion. And even in then, the worst-case offender makes you play the game five times. Splatoon made me play the game eight Nine different times total. And you can't even speedrun some of these levels too great. The, the quickest are two minutes. The longest was like ten minutes. And it sucked. It really it really made me unappreciate Splatoon 2's single player, single player mode all over again. Luckily, I did also jump right into the Octo expansion. I had to go out and buy it. I used all of my gold coins, so I only spent 8 bucks on it. But I jumped right into the Octo expansion, and it is significantly better. I think I looked online, and there's 48 levels. They're all tremendously quick. The longest level in Octo expansion is quicker than the shortest level in the main campaign. And... If you need to beat it multiple times, you, the, you need to beat it a maximum of three times total. They choose th up to three different weapons to beat the level with, and it is just such a cleaner experience. In the Splatoon 2 campaign, I did like how you're able to quick travel to any level pretty quickly, pretty much instantly, even the world-to-world -world transfer was fairly quick. But Splatoon 2, it's just, you basically have a list. And you just select one out of the list, and then if you want to do it with a different weapon, you load up that level and choose the different weapon, and it's so much cleaner, and 
it's really fun. In the main campaign, it's just single player linear levels with a bit of combat, a little bit of platforming, but the Octo Expansion DLC really mixes it up in some really fun ways. I've only played a little bit at this point, but I'm having a great time with Octo Expansion. I'm definitely excited to hop back into more. What I wanted to do was hop into Tunic first, but I don't know, the also bad brain bug makes me want to play things in order, so I'll probably finish Octo Expansion, then Splatoon 3, and then I'll finally pick up Tunic. Speaking of Splatoon 3, I did play a bit of that over the weekend. I was pretty busy this weekend, I had to visit family, but I did play a little bit of the Splatfest. And being the big fan of food that I am, I of course chose Team Grub. Is Fry my favorite of the new hosts? No, but food was my favorite of the options, and we lost badly. I have now chosen the losing Splatfest twice in a row. I was in last place both times. So rip to my man Big Man and rip to my girl Fry. Uh, I guess next time I should just choose Shiver, that's what everyone else is doing. No, I can't do that. I need to choose based on my heart, not based off of my attraction, I guess. I, I mean, a lot of people are basing it off on attraction, I can tell you what. Either way, Splatoon 3 is fun. I had a good time with this Splatfest. I wasn't able to try any of the tricolor. It was I was driving. I didn't get to try any of the tricolor battle. I was driving basically the whole time it was active, and I just never got the chance to play it. But... It was fun. I liked her 4. I like using the du Splat Duelies. Maybe one day I'll try a different weapon. That is one thing Splatoon 2's single player campaign did was teach me which weapons I do like and which weapons I really do not like. That The brush sucks and the roller isn't too great. Um, but Splatoon 3, pretty fun time with that. And lastly, not a video game, but I did watch the first episode of Andor. The second episode is out as this posts as this episode of the podcast posts, and that is a real good show so far. The first three episodes, really solid. One of my favorite aspects was just how tactile everything felt. Like in the flashback scenes where you see Cassian as a kid, like the outfits they're wearing are like a tribal... They're clearly... Um, uniforms from whichever what from people who worked there i thought it was pilot at first but they're clearly uniforms that have been repurposed to be just everyday clothes for the tribe that he's part of and then the world feels like the feels tactile there's a really nice moment where one of the workers comes out and he rings the bell the work bell which is just a big hunk of metal that he smacks with hammers, and he's got little headphones on because of course he needs little headphones on. And it's these little touches that make the world feel proper. And then the story itself is told really well. I've, I've been really impressed with in uh, an era of television where writers just feel like they need to say everything, Andor has been doing a really good job of showing everything. Like, there's a scene with one of a character's boyfriend where he goes through a little bit of an emotional arc and not a word of dialogue is said. It's all told through looks on his face, what he's doing, what he does. He doesn't say anything. 
but it's just a really good segment, a really good microcosm of what make what's making this show entertaining to me, and I can't wait. There is, um, I forget how many episodes, I think it's 12 this season, and then there's another 12 episode season coming later on, and so these next few weeks, I'm going to be real excited to watch Andor every week. And that is it for the Believing Heart Podcast. I've been Mario Waith. Follow me in all the socials that I've linked in the show notes. And hey, if you like this, leave a review on your podcast app of choice, or leave a thumbs up on the YouTube video version, or leave a comment on the YouTube video version, or sub to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Mario And if you don't like podcasts, I also do video game reviews every other Saturday, but right now we're doing Super Mario in review where I review and rank all of the Super Mario platformers, so please check that out. I've been having a good time making it, and I hope you have a good time watching it. Anyway, that has been all for this podcast. Thank you so much for watching, and I will see you next time.